listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Here, these are conversations that will differentiate you from your competition. Now, if you don't want to be different than your competition, probably should just go ahead and shut this off. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Like when we audit the mod and get and do the mod master and and give them the actionable items that they can that they can do in order to lower their cost of risk. This is Power Producers Shop Talk. Production redefined. Reasonable and what wasn't. And and I think that you know, that's, that's spot on. And, you know, these people that we're talking with don't necessarily understand what their exposures are and what they can even do about them, um, you know, when they're uncovered. So I, I do like that what we're able to provide is something tangible, action items that they can do. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Power Producers Shop Talk, episode number Twenty-five already. Wow, we're rolling Cruising. through them, yeah. man. We are rolling through them today. But listen, this one I'm going to get pretty amped up for. I'm warning everybody ahead of time. So if you don't like it when I get amped up, shut it off. Sorry, I'm not going to change. But I want to talk about the common denominator. Hmm. Is never very good at math. Me either. But the common denominator is extremely important for you guys to understand because that's what we all need to not be. We need to fight against it. Okay. And here's, here's what I mean by that. You go into an account and you're doing, they're doing a broker selection or even if they want, you know, want you to quote to win the business or whatever, whatever angle it is that you used to get in there. And you've got competition. You've got four or five competitors, three, whatever. I don't care how many it is. The one thing that every single one of you has in common, if you're at the table to talk to this person about their insurance program, is the insurance. Right. Every one of you can place the insurance. That's the common denominator. If you want to be successful in middle market production, you have to be uncommon in a common environment, period. That's the only way people are going to hire you. That's the only way your message is going to resonate. That's the only way in many cases you're even going to be able to get an appointment booked. It doesn't start when you walk in to present. It starts with how you go about getting the business to begin with, whether that be a cold call marketing drop, telemarketing, whatever the answer is, you have to be memorable and people need to want to do business with you because you are shown to be an expert. Look, here's a clue. Everything we talked about on the last episode regarding things producers can do regarding loss control, not the common denominator. Right. Those are the exact types of things I'm talking about. When you go out and you visit these accounts, that's what you need to do. Here's one. Here's a a fun one that will lighten up the mood for everybody, right? How many times do you schedule a first appointment to go out and talk about somebody's business and actually send them a copy of a proposed agenda 
before you ever do it. Not how many, yeah. How many times does that happen? I don't know that I've ever gone on a new business call for a middle market account that, that I'm responsible for that. I haven't sent that decision maker, my proposed agenda ahead of time and said, Hey, tell me what you think. Is there anything on here that I'm missing? Is there anything on here that you don't want to talk about? What would you add? Do me a favor. Please feel free to give me feedback and send it back. I'd like to have this finalized because both of our time is valuable and I want to make sure that we're getting the most out of it while we're together. Yeah. So I think that does a couple things. It empowers them. Number one, um, you know, helps them feel like they're in control and decision makers, um, you know, need that and are used to that. And it also, it also gets you on the same page, but, you know, but on the same side of the table, you know, versus going back and forth in a negotiation type thing, which is often how those meetings in the middle market can turn. Um, so I, I think that that's, and, and again, you know, that's something easy, right? Like a lot of the stuff we talk about is, it, it is easy stuff to do, but it's things that are, you know, maybe a little bit outside of the box or require a little bit of extra effort, but not, none of it's hard. Like, I mean, how hard is it to draft up a, an agenda, you know, saying here are the things that I think are important that we talk about. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Anything I missed or anything you don't want to talk about? Yeah, that's it. And guess what? It's an easy way to start the meeting when you get there. Hey, yeah. I really appreciate you taking a minute to review the agenda. The stuff that you added is absolutely perfect. Um, I'm glad you, that you brought that up and, you know, let's go ahead and get this thing cranked up. You, you know, that's, that's Boom. it. There's no, Easy lead in. There's, there's, yeah, there, there's no awkward, you know, start to the meeting where you're, you're, where you're building awkward rapport and, and yeah, trying to and figure then, out how you can, how you can start talking about, you know, their, their risk and their insurance. Yeah. I played a little ball in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably <laughs> be in the pros if it didn't blow out my knee. Yeah, I mean, seriously, that's that's the kind of crap they're used to hearing. But right. that, that's a big one. Um, yeah. You know, another one is understanding, you know, as you're listening to what they have to say and understanding what you have in terms of resources in your agency to solve those problems, right? So here's here's one of the things. I was on the Be Atomic podcast last week or the week before. I don't remember when it was, but one of the things that one of the questions they asked or one of the points that I mentioned, and I don't want to regurgitate something I've already talked about, but I think it's important that everybody understands. And it's a place where I feel like as agencies, we blow it. And that is technology. So many agents, I was talking to a guy this morning and said, if you drew a line down a legal pad, if you asked in one of the agents, agency owners forums that's out there, if you ask them, you know, whether what they think about HubSpot, for example, too expensive, doesn't work, didn't do what we thought it would, or greatest tool ever, improved our efficiency, made us more profitable. If, if you listed everybody on the left side that had something negative to say and everybody on the right side mm-hmm. that had something positive to say, and then go and research each of their agencies and put the revenue that each one of them does, guess what? The people who run multi-million dollar agencies are on the right side of the page and the mm-hmm. ones who are running $500,000 and less in revenue are over on the other side of the page. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal, people. You have to look at technology exactly as what it is. It's an investment, period. It's not an expense. An expense is not something that's going to give you a return, but an investment does. That money just doesn't go and evaporate into the wind when I write my check for HubSpot every month. 
It actually works and does things to drive revenue into the agency and help us operate more efficiently with those tasks that we're doing inside the agency. And that's a huge, huge differentiator. It's a great way for you to talk about things that are different between you and other people coming in. That's, again, not the common denominator. I mean, how powerful is it to go in and talk to somebody? You're going in and you're talking to them about workers' compensation. And in our case, many times the experience mod is well above one. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm I'm glad you took the time to meet with me today. Obviously, you can see that the number one agenda item I wanted to discuss with you is your upcoming experience mod. As you know, we just got the notification that the preliminary mod has come out. It's going to go up. The reason I wanted to talk to you is because we use Magic. Magic is a very powerful software that allows us to audit your experience modification factor and then give you reports about everything that's going on inside of it. And even better, it'll help us project what your mod is going to be at your next renewal based on where you're at in the current year. Now, I realize you probably haven't seen a report like this before, so you may question what the value of it is, but I can assure you it will change the way that you look at everything mm-hmm. based off of you know, how those reports go down. Or you go in and say, look, it's obvious to me that you're having an issue with um, manual material handling and personal protective equipment and maybe even some distracted driving. We have partnered with Think HR for each of our clients. And the reason why we do that is because we want to give you best-in-class solutions. This is a company that's providing those types of solutions to Fortune 500 companies, and we're able to do that for all of our clients at no additional cost because right. it's part of the value proposition we bring. So we can give – it's not that we're telling you you have to develop this training and, and, and get it in place and let us know when it's done. It's we're going to provide that for you. We're going to help you create the learning track for all of your people so it's completely customized to your organization, and we're going to go from there. Yeah. And it's a cost that they're already paying for within their insurance premiums. And I mean, think about the companies that pay for that, you know, those type of programs, um, you know, outside of that, like, you know, who are are having to develop fleet safety or distracted driving, you know, stuff or, um, you know, all of that, that stuff is not cheap, right? I mean, you bring somebody in to develop that for you. You're talking thousands and thousands of dollars, right? You're talking about more for them to develop that couple of things at one business than what we pay to have that service available to 100% of our clients Exactly for an entire year. And I'll tell you the other one that's good. I mean, and I don't want to sit here and make this podcast about Think HR. It couldn't be further from the truth. But I, I have been very impressed with their 1-800 number that people can call and get HR advice from. Yeah. I've already had several clients use that that were in precarious situations regarding an injured worker that was released to come back for work, but hadn't come back to work yet. And they wanted to let him go. And I'm like, I ain't giving you that yeah, advice. Right. Exactly. Because you that's, know, I mean, and that happens to me all the time too. And I haven't been at it as long as you. So there's, there's shit that people ask me. I'm like, dude, I don't know, you know? So I, it, it's, it's nice to be able to turn them over to somebody who's licensed, you know, and, and is able to answer those questions for them the right way. I mean, I can speculate and give them my opinion, but it, it it's you know gives me much more credibility if I can have it backed up by somebody who's actually licensed and knows what they're doing. So and and, and that's a that's a is that a twenty four hour uh, thing or is it like nine to something? I don't remember. I know we I talked about it. I don't remember off the top. Either of my way, head. huge tool. I mean, they're like I've talked to people in the past in other situations where they you know have 
had HR questions, you know, like with, for their payroll companies or whatever, and they try to reach out and they got to go to a bunch of different departments and can't ever get answers. And so that, I mean, that's a, that's a huge benefit for sure. I think part of the place too, where we fall down though, all of us and, and us included is, you know, we have these tools and we talk about them at the point of sale and then we're horrible at making sure our clients are actually adopting them. I think that's one of the areas yeah. where HubSpot has helped us a little bit because we're, you know, doing some automations around introducing these things via email with video to our clients to let them know, here's what we have available for you. Here's how you use it. And I mean, it's it's been um, a big change in terms of how many do and how many don't. But I mean, you can even go to a completely different level with that. Look at some of the resources that these carriers provide just for having a policy with them. I, you know, years ago, Chubb valued Chubb Works, which is their, um, you know, online system that revolves around management liability, specifically EPLI, like $8,000. And if you bought your EPLI through Chubb, you automatically got access to Chubbworks. Well, why wouldn't I be able to sell a $2,500 EPL, EPL product knowing that they're getting at least 8000 worth of value out of it right out of the box? Right. You know, and so there's a lot of things out there. And that's what I would challenge people to do is when you're sitting here looking at what everybody else is going to do, you have to figure out how you project they're going to interact with that prospect. Mm -hmm. And then you got to figure out what you're going to do to take your game to the next level. That's one of the cool parts for me. That's one of the most fun things that I have dealing with the people inside killing commercial is because I, you know, these guys are going on because we have so many people in the program at this point across the country, there's people that are going on appointments every day. And I'm getting to spend like 20, 30 minutes on the zoom meeting or whatever else saying, I would do this. I would do this. I would do this. I mean, I just had two in the last two days, both closed the biggest accounts they'd ever written over a quarter million dollars in premium each. And it was just basic stuff. Right. You know, for me, just because I'm used to doing that, because I'm some brainiac, but because I've been doing it for 17 years, Mm -hmm. these are the things that I look at. These are the, and and that's the whole thing. You know, again, I go back to something else. If you want to be uncommon, you need to start changing your perspective and how you look at things. And it goes to something I've talked about in one of the videos and blog posts I've done in the past about learning from your wins. I'm so sick and tired of hearing everybody talk about failing forward and learning from defeat. Losing sucks, people. Yeah, it's lame. I don't want to learn from it. I don't ever want to do it. And for me to learn from it means it had to have happened. Mm-hmm. Here's here's a different paradigm shift. How many times have you won an account and asking the client, ask that client why? Yeah. Why did you hire me? What was it that I said? What differentiated my firm from everybody else that you talked to that made you decide I was the right one for you to hire? Mm-hmm. I'd like to know that information because I need to replicate that when I go other places. So many times we learn from failure, but we never learn from winning. And you can learn a lot of valuable lessons when you win too. That's a really good point. And I think so many times we're just so focused on winning that once it happens, we're just like, yes. Right. And we, and we just, we forget to do that. Just like we forget to ask for, you know, uh, current clients for, for referrals, like, you know, who else they know that would be able to benefit. It's the same thing. I think we just get to that point where we're trying to cross the finish line. And once we finally do, then we're able to, you know, kind of take our victory lap. But I think part of that victory lap definitely needs to be figuring out what, led to that victory. Yeah, because it may not be what we think it was. 
Totally. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could go in and think it's because all this talk that I did about, you know, the mod analysis with logic and whatever, but it could be something completely different. Yeah, it might be. No, actually what uh, had me excited about you is you're the first producer yeah. who's ever come in and asked me why I had cords on my floor and told me to shut the electrical box door. <laughs> I mean, you know, but seriously, it, it just, it blows my mind. And I do think that we need to know that because again, you, if you want to consistently win, it's just like, it doesn't matter. Look, I'm going to lay myself on the sword right now. You can just have your way with me. But it's like having a good golf game, man. You have to go to the range. You have to figure out what works. You have to do it every day. You have to replicate it. And yeah. over time, your swing improves. You get better. Your handicap drops. But you have to keep looking at, okay, I just hit that thing 280 yards straight as an arrow. What did I do that time that I didn't do all the other times? And can I replicate that? Maybe I can. Maybe I can't have a bunch of psychopathic uh, swing thoughts in my head standing over the ball this time. (laughs) No kidding, man. But I mean, it is, there's a lot of parallels between being in production and being an athlete. You know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, again, think about this too. When those guys in the NFL show up on the field on Sunday, everybody loves watching them and they're like, wow, that's awesome. I'd like to be an NFL player, show up one day a week. Make all that money, yeah, get right. all the hot, get all the hot chicks, whatever it is. No, dude, they're working three times as hard the other six days a week to make sure they're at the best on Sunday. We none of us approach our job that way. Very, right. very few. No, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and pretend like I do. I don't do it. Right. I'm not. I'm not doing reps on CRM continuing ed. I'm not maxing out on CIC continuing ed. No. Doing isometrics, plyometrics, whatever metrics. You know, we need Dude, to be exercising. By the way, are legit. I did uh, jump soles when I was in eleventh grade, and <laughs> I talk to you about those strength shoes because is that the same thing you're talking about? So these things are they're like you strap them on to your they're like platforms that you strap yes. on and your heels hang off the back and it's like an yes. eight week thing. You, yes, first five weeks you do it. You know, just do the workouts, and then the last three there it's like this little. It looks like a mushroom, like a little rubber mushroom uh, where you stick it into the bottom of the platform. So you're rolling around on this like ball a little bit and you're doing the same exercises again. Dude, I, I was able to dunk when I was after I was done with that. I mean, I am a 5'10 white guy. Like, so yeah. let's be real. Yeah, no. So I had the they were called strength shoes. And yes. It was essentially a one part. I mean, it may be the same thing, but these were like molded the whole thing. Yeah. And it was, you laced it on and you walked yeah. around in these platforms. Right. And there, you know, I did that. We had the old uh, jump boxes that we had yes. built at the high school gym. And that was one of the exercises that jump rope lunges, jump, jump box is horrible. Like I can't even oh. tell you how, de- how destroyed my shins were when I always tried to get <laughs> when you would miss. <laughs> uh. I, was going, I was going top box every time. <laughs> Listen, man. I know you don't I know that you don't see this side of me now. I'm going to have to find some old footage, but I was I was two-hand reverse easy all day on the drop step if I wanted yeah. to be. Like well, I had go. a I had a really good vertical, but then the third one was the one where it put the harness over your shoulders and it was attached to a chain mm-hmm. on a platform and that chain created resistance so you'd squat down and then when you'd go to jump up it was like you were doing a squat but it wasn't so heavy that you like shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, like I added like twelve inches to my vertical. Oh, seriously, dude, I'm telling just you, man. That stuff. 
I, I was coming in like middle of the, you know, not even middle of the net before I was using these things. And then I, like I said, I was able, I was able to dunk afterwards. How awesome was it when you were little and everybody was just so excited when they could grab the net the first oh, time? Yeah. Like, that was like, like the, the coolest thing ever when you're like eighth grade and you could touch and you know, like, like grab the net and pull yourself uh, up. Yeah. How, how got net? How got net? Ooh, how got, today. How got net? <laughs> then, then it went from getting net to getting rim. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, then you went to the dunk where the guy stood underneath it and threw it up and basically in the cylinder. Yeah. And you, you ran from it. the side and you just tap it in. That was, and then you got to the point where you could actually dunk. Right. That's a hundred percent what happened. Um, God, I wish I was in high school playing basketball again. Yeah, I know. My problem is I could never dunk on the fly. I was a two legged jumper and I, everything I did was drop step. Yeah. We could be on a fast break and I'm going to set up on the block and you're going to dish to me on a fast break and I'll drop step dunk. Well, the drop, the drop sets a a huge flex move. I mean, not, it is, you know, not, not, not everybody can do the old drop step. Dude, let me tell you something, man. I was such an animal and I go back to the glory days, but I mean, it cracks me up. My senior year of high school, I had probably five or six scouts at a game watching and had the radar guns and everything. I was supposed to have been the starting pitcher and they benched me in favor of the booster club president's son. (laughs) I was politics. I was so pissed. Yeah. So oh, I remember we, this story. We only played like six or seven innings back then. Seven, I think, right? I think yeah. seven. And I came in in the bottom of the seventh with the bases loaded, two outs, and the account in the count was two, two and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like now, now, now we're gonna bring David in. Yeah. Right. Listen, Mister Booster Club President. You know, I mean. Your kid can't hack it. I'll have to come in and clean up his mess now. And Mr. Baseball for the state of West Virginia was up at, at, at the plate, right? Right. So I come in. I've been warming up out in the bullpen. This Did the scouts got, leave by this point? No, they were there. Okay. They were there. Fastest I ever threw. Three yeah, pitches. Boom, boom, boom. 89, and 91, and 92. Did you Never start bleeding them. or something? So, so what happens is – I come in, this guy's up to bat, bases loaded. I, I throw the I just unleash. Like I, I couldn't even feel my arm. I was so amped up. I unleash. And I heard the ball smack the mitt. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a good one. And strike one, boom, strike two, boom, strike three. I pointed the guy and I said, I don't even know why you wasted my time to come out here and pitch to you. <laughs> Turn around. Get reprimanded by my coach for talking smack because apparently that's frowned upon. Could have given him coach. Yeah, I could have given him some sweet chin music if I wanted to (laughs) just to teach him a lesson. But the catcher comes out and he's like, "Dude, when did you grow a goatee?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" (laughs) He's like, "When when did you grow a goatee?" I think I didn't. I had been. I I think I probably chugged um, Ultimate Orange. That was like the pre workout thing. It's so illegal right now. Oh god. Just I think the primary ingredient was ephedra. So anyhow, I had, I had chugged that and I was so amped up warming up that I bit a hole in my bottom lip in my, it was blood. It was dried blood all over my chin from that. That's the type of intensity you need to take into the sales appointments, people. That's That's what I'm talking about. But seriously, I mean, if you think about it, if we approached our sales game, like we did, you know, athletics or whatever else, we're supposed to be masters of our craft. 
Mm-hmm. We need to do those same things. So people think about it, get creative, think about who those providers are that you can engage with out there that are going to deliver the best client experience possible for the people that you're bringing into your book of business. Not just the people that you can represent at the point of sale, but that you can actually onboard, execute, and make sure that the value is delivered that you promised. And these people won't leave you. You're not going to be that person, you know, like in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I remember the sales game. It's a tough <laughs> racket. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to retain your accounts and you're going to make a lot of money. Coffee's for closers, baby. See ya. First place is Cadillac. Second place, set of steak knives. Third place, you're fired and we're out. <laughs> See ya. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes